Connor Bedard is unfortunately a little bit too good at hockey, and in a game in which the Jets hit like six posts and honestly dominated, unfortunately Bedard was the one to uh, break the difference and get the Hawks an OT win. We'll talk about what went wrong for the Jets on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so, of course, is always free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets if they win a $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started and learn more. Now, like I said at the top of the episode... Unfortunately, Connor Bedard kind of stole the show against the Jets in a game in which Winnipeg very much outcreated the Hawks and frankly dominated proceedings. But thanks to, you know, some really bad power plays and quite a bit of poor puck luck, the Jets just somehow did not score more than one goal, which is really weird because like Winnipeg, um, you know, against bad teams this year has generally been pretty effective, right? You look at that Hawks lineup and outside of like Bedard, there's really not a lot of talent there to work with. So I was predicting a, a Jets victory. And unfortunately, um, I don't know if I jinxed it, but the Jets ended up coming a little bit short. And it was a little bit annoying because, you know, Winnipeg really didn't make too many mistakes. But on like the two to three mistakes they did make, they got horrendously punished because they just happened to come against the one Blackhawks player you really can't afford to make a mistake against, and that is Connor Bedard. Now, let's talk about the overtime goal, right? I've seen some stuff, you know, about the OT goal and the fact that the Jets didn't exactly defend it well, and I think in my mind it was more on Morrissey um, and the other skater, Niederreiter. I felt like they should have perhaps interfered with uh, Bedard's vision and ability to get the shot off because if you give him any sort of time and space, his release is going to just rip right through most goalies. And you saw how far he dragged back and shot. You know, that dude uh, just, I mean, I don't know how you have a cleaner and more accurate and powerful release than what we saw. So very clearly, uh, if there was a takeaway, you know, from this evening of not exactly fun <laughs> results and outcomes for the Jets, it's that Bedard is going to score a lot of goals and hopefully the Jets can at least limit the amount of damage that he does because he was all over the place. He was the only Hawk that really gave the Jets consistent fits. And every time his line was on the ice, he threatened to do something really cool. Uh, his first goal, I would say, wasn't exactly as elegant or as beautiful, but they all count the same, right? Uh, he shoveled home a nice like second chance rebound. But hey, you know, he got the job done. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. So 
you know, other storylines, I think, from this game, one of the big things uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later on the episode, because it is something that I think is is actually fixable. But in this game, man, the power play was just really bad. Aside from the second unit, I felt like the first unit just didn't really create all that much offensive zone time. And when they did actually set up, they didn't really get as many clean looks as I think they were looking for. You know, the slot offense at both 5v5 and on the power play hasn't exactly been great. And I don't feel that this game uh, necessarily changed that as much on the power play. At even strength, I thought the Jets did a pretty good job of getting down the middle of the ice. They had a couple of trailing skaters who either hit a post or just barely missed, you know, wide of the uh, wide of the frame. And unfortunately, you know, that was enough to keep the Jets out. Bratzik also made some really big stops in net. And so, you know, in terms of like the slot offense at even strength, not really a concern. But on the power play, yeah, no, that was pretty bad. And, you know. You often see with the Jets power play that they'll take a shot after waiting like 15 to 20 seconds of, of I guess, hoping for some sort of passing or shooting lane to open up. Nothing does. And then they take a shot. It goes, you know, out out of the uh, offensive zone and Winnipeg has to reset. And it's just kind of like one and done stuff that I think has really hurt the Jets this year on top of a lack of movement and a lack of creativity. It, it, it was unfortunately the main reason that they probably lost this game because like, OK, look, you can say six posts was pretty rough and unlucky, but by the same token, the Jets' power play was given four opportunities, including one at the very end of the game, to win it all, and the Jets just couldn't get it done. So, uh, really tough look, but I mean, it is what it is. I think the power play is generally fixable. Uh, I think that there's a couple of very simple adjustments that the Jets could make that have really tremendous impacts, and I'm curious to know why they haven't gone back to some of this stuff. Again, we'll save it for the end of the episode, but uh, suffice it to say, yeah, uh, the, the special teams were probably the biggest storyline. Otherwise, you know, the Jets generally outcreated Chicago. There was not a lot else to really talk about. Uh, you know, the only Jets goal of the evening was a nice barren opportunity that somehow just squeezed through Moratzik after he'd already made a bunch of great saves. Um, the top line finally did not score, which is kind of crazy. You usually just expect them to put one away. And uh, on, on you know, the weekend, I expect that they'll probably have at least a couple of points against the Minnesota Wild. So, yeah, this game, uh, was it a big deal? No. You know, a, a loss is kind of whatever. The Jets got a point out of it. It's just a shame that they were they were honestly deserving of a second point, and they just could not find uh, pay dirt, unfortunately, which is just how it goes sometimes, right? It is what it is. That'd be life. And uh, every once in a while, you're going to you know lose a bit of a, a, a stinker that you, quite frankly, deserve to win. And that was this game in a nutshell. But also, the Jets' power play probably you know could use a bit of work, if we're being honest. We'll see if the Jets can turn their fortunes around against Minnesota later uh, this coming weekend. But uh, speaking of some of the questions I had, you know, over overall with the Jets, there are a couple of other niggling things that I think are worth talking about, especially when it comes to some of the tactical and lineup decisions that we're seeing game in and game out. Some of which, you know, for me, I just don't fully understand or agree with. We'll get to those questions in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Sleeper. It is almost the halfway point in the season, and, you know, the Jets have been pretty darn good. Uh, Winnipeg is, you know, at or near the top of the Central Division for most of these past few months, and so it's been a nice thing, right? Regardless of where we are in the current standings, though, I want to remind you that you could win big by, you know, playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. 
Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. For those of you who are the stats nerds among us, maybe you've been tracking how good uh, Shifley and Ehlers and Connor have been throughout the season. Maybe you are riding the high of Connor Hellebuck's save percentage. No matter what stats you follow or are interested in, you know, Sleeper is the place where you can put it to good work, right? If you're tracking all these stars and you like making projections, this is the best chance. All you have to do is guess the correct projection, whether it's more or less than Sleeper's projections for stuff like shots, saves, assists, and so much more per game. And if you get up to uh, eight player stats correct, that is eight stats categories correct, you could win 100 times your bet on Sleeper. You heard me, Jets fans. That is 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your very first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you so much for rejoining us on tonight's episode as we are uh, talking about a couple of questions with some stuff that I, I feel is perhaps worth pointing out and, and addressing, uh, specifically with like player usage, right? I think that is something that throughout the season we haven't really talked about a lot, but it might be worth spotlighting in a game like the one we just saw against Chicago because we saw some curious uh, deployment decisions. Before we talk about that, though, I do want to talk about something else first real quick. Just a really cool thing that the Locked On Network is doing. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top stories of the day with our local experts and our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, like I said, you know, the Jets... Overall, this year have been pretty good. We've hammered home that point, you know, repeatedly throughout multiple episodes. We've talked a lot about how the Jets at even strength have generally been great. We've talked about the defensive structure and Hellebuck both being a perfect marriage where, you know, stuff's just not really getting through to the Jets. And so Winnipeg has generally limited opponents to three goals or less per game, which is really impressive when you think about where this team was defensively uh, a couple of years ago. Hellebuck used to be besieged every single night, right? And that was a bit of a problem. But nowadays, the Jets really don't have a lot going on defensively, right? Winnipeg generally limits the amount of chances against, and usually when they do concede stuff, it tends to be more um, more from like extended zone possessions and stuff where, you know, the Jets are sort of backpedaling for two to three shifts worth of ice time, and then they get themselves in trouble. But otherwise, you know, Winnipeg has generally dealt with stuff pretty nicely. Where I, I, I do have some questions, though, with some of the coaching decisions kind of comes down to, like, aside from the power play, right, uh, the, the player usage, I've not really been a fan of at times this season. Uh, the first thing that we've, you know, kind of seen is that the third line has really become Winnipeg's second line. And while I love that trio of Niederreiter, Lowry, and Appleton, you might not realize this, but they've actually been riding like a sub 45% uh, expected goals percentage, which is not great. And when you watch them, you know, Niederreiter has been doing pretty well offensively, right? He's getting getting into good areas. He's had a couple of great opportunities that he scored on. But in terms of involvement, Lowry and Appleton 
haven't really been able to keep up. And I feel like that line, you know, that that hot start that they had throughout the earlier part of the season hasn't really carried over. But they're still getting used like they are Winnipeg's elite second line. And it's just not really the case. Even as a third line, I feel like, you know, they've been given some really hard matchup minutes and they have not been winning them as frequently over the last several weeks. So I think the Jets could stand to use that line a bit less and also change out some of the members of that line. I'd be looking to swap Ayafalo and and uh, Niederreiter. I think that would make you know a bit of an improvement in the top six and also make better use of Niederreiter's skill sets. Ayafalo actually had his best game as a Jet uh, against Chicago in my mind, but even still, I just feel like this would probably be a good time to maybe shake up the depth lines because like. The, the second line, I feel, is underutilized, and it needs a little bit more finishing touch than Ayafalo can currently provide. But uh, Nita Ryder, we know, has been really good this season, and with that third line not really doing as well as it did at the start of the year, this would be a good time to maybe make the swap and give you know a little bit more uh, offensive uh, line mates to work with, right? Perfetti and Nemesnikov have generally been cooking this year, so maybe this would be a good chance to pair them all together and have them make use of Niederreiter's forechecking ability. Now, I also mentioned the second line because uh, the, the second line really, you know, has been used like a third line. And in particular, Cole Perfetti seemingly gets benched a lot when it comes to third periods. And I just don't understand this, uh, especially in a game in which you're either tired or, or trailing, right? Perfetti should be out there almost every other shift. He is one of our most creative players. He's been a huge force offensively this year. And, you know, the fact that we see even in overtime guys like Lowry and uh, some other players who are maybe not as offensively inclined going before Velarde, Perfetti, you know, names like that, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Perfetti getting benched late in games especially just is, it's not really acceptable, right? Perfetti has been a beast and was really effective under Scott Arneal. And so I don't know why Bones doesn't always trust him. I think sometimes Rick kind of hews a little too closely to some like older school uh, coaching stuff when it comes to young players. And I feel like with Perfetti, you really don't need to use kid gloves. This dude is ready to work. He's constantly back checking. He offers really good defensive support and he's very smart. He'll, you know, force turnovers. He back checks aggressively. He gets himself into good defensive positions and he can spring counters the other way with this great passing and vision. So when you're especially, you know, trailing or even just tied, why not make use of one of your most creative offensive forces? I just don't really get it. The fact that he only had more ice time than guys like Toninato and, you know, the bottom six really just doesn't sit well with me. And it's been a problem with Bones for a while now. I don't know what his whole uh, thought process is with Cole, but I feel like that should probably change. I know that he might not feel comfortable running, you know, a young 21 or 22 year old player out there repeatedly, but like, I just feel like, you know, we should move away from that mindset, right? Perfetti, in my mind, has proven beyond a doubt that he can handle it. And the more ice time that he gets, the more you see his offensive creativity and skill on full display. So, you know, move away from some of the fear of, of perhaps his defensive liabilities or whatever. I promise you, they aren't really a, a problem at all. And he's been honestly a beast for the Jets. Make more use of him, give him more ice time, and you might even see him start to have the sort of similar impact that Nikolai Ehlers does every time you give him skill to work with. So 
just some fun stuff. Let me know what you think about Perfetti's Ice Time. Do you think it's fair? Do you think he deserves more? Drop your thoughts in the comments below or at my social medias at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Now, I said earlier I wanted to talk about the power play because I feel like fixing it is not nearly as complicated as some have made it out to be. And I think it's worth talking about because it's really been bad the last several months uh, or, well, you could even argue last several years because it's been a while since we've had good special teams. We'll talk about why this power play really shouldn't be that hard to fix and how some small changes could have really big downstream impacts on this unit in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. As a Ravens fan, obviously, it has been a pretty good season for us. So for me, this would be a really nice incentive, uh, you know, for me to cat, you know, catch a, uh, a cheeky little $5 bet and turn it into $150 in bonus bets that I can use on stuff like spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. For you Vikings fans, maybe it's been a little bit more challenging, but you know what? The Vikings are still capable of a couple of big wins, and you can just cash in on a cheap little $5 bet. What's there not to like? If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's never been a better time to get in on the action than right now. Visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season in style. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts in tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everydayers, thank you so much for rejoining us in tonight's episode as we wrap up really quickly with some thoughts on uh, Winnipeg's power play this year and, and what's really gone wrong with it and how the Jets can kind of turn it around. For me, Winnipeg's power play has a couple of key issues. The first is that there's just not enough movement. Part of Winnipeg's problem is like off the puck, right? When you're inside the offensive zone on the power play, the Jets skaters tend to hold positions pretty rigidly. You'll see some overlapping and some rotation, but not enough to where you're actually seeing the puck being pinged back and forth to actually stretch PK diamonds effectively. Usually there's some perimeter passing, but it doesn't really lead to a lot. And when it comes to like cross slot passes or stuff down low, the Jets just don't really attack down there at all. That is where I think one very specific change would have a tremendous impact on how all of that works. I've talked about it before. You got to put Shifley in the slot. I don't know if it's Mark that who that is asking to stay on the half wall on the left side, but if he is, I, I think it might be worth asking him if he'd be willing to go back down in the slot. <clears throat> I know that that tends to be a tough assignment because you have to be uh, ready for deflections. You've got to be ready to accept passes. And in Mark's case, you have to be ready for one-time chances. But that's where Shifley... That's like one of his best skills when it comes to shooting in tight quarters and making the most of, of limited opportunities. Shifley is unbelievable at it. So it's crazy to me that like one of our most talented scorers is being asked to be more of a facilitator in a very limited role on the left side. You know, Shifley often looks like he's really hesitant to make a pass. He's, you know, holding onto the puck too long. He sometimes passes up good, good shooting opportunities in favor of a pass that either gets deflected or tipped, or even if it does make it on target, doesn't really get converted into a dangerous scoring chance. That for me <clears throat> really shows that in terms of Shifley's skill sets, 
the Jets just aren't making the most of them, which is crazy to say because like he's you know one of their top paid players, he's one of their most used players, and he's had a really strong year. But it just feels like when it comes to the power play, you know his his unique creativity and stuff really gets put to the wayside in the role that he's being used. Likewise, I feel like Ehlers on the right side, uh, you know, on that half wall doesn't really work. I'd prefer him to switch flanks. I think he'd be more effective there. And if he becomes a little bit more of a roamer who can also do point work at times and maybe trade out with Morrissey or something, I think that could be also really effective. Because like Morrissey at the point is okay, but he tends to like pivot the puck really slowly. And I feel like, you know, for the Jets trying to do all these point shots and stuff, that's not really where the power play is going to make a lot of its money. The Jets have to get down and dirty down low. And if you have, you know, Ehlers on that half wall, kind of <clears throat> on the inverse flank, allowing him to kind of get into those dangerous shooting positions with his right side, that could be a more effective way because he likes to collapse and, and sort of drive in. And when he does that around the faceoff circle, that is where his danger increases tenfold. On the right side, I feel like his passing hasn't really been as effective. And you, you just see him sort of waffling out there at times, which, you know, on, on the half wall is not really what you want to do. We're already seeing that with Shifley. Winnipeg really needs more off the puck and on the puck movement. And so that kind of waste of time along the half walls, for me, is just not working. <clears throat> Change number three is also a pretty easy one. Uh, I know that Bones switched Ayafalo to the first unit and put Perfetti on the second. You got to switch it back, right? Ayafalo is effective at being kind of like a, a nice complimentary scorer, but I think with what you want on the first power play unit, you should use Perfetti as the bumper, right? Put him in the Stastny role. He's got great vision. He's got great passing. He's very crafty in small spaces down low. He handles the puck beautifully. Let him be uh, the, the distributor and the bumper to serve both Shifley and the flanking forwards and stuff with some great passes. Because I guarantee you, you let his vision and his passing ability take over, he's going to help this Jets power play immensely playing that bumper role near the goal line. If he does that or you know even gets to work from behind the net, I promise you the way that he passes and the fact that he has like eyes in the back of his head will make him an absolute um, like demon down low. That's what I want from him. I think it'd be a much more effective role for him. And I think it would really help this power play get back on track, but we'll have to see what the jets do. I don't know how much of this is being driven by the coaching staff, how much of it is the players, etc. If there's like some happy middle ground that we can reach, that'd be fantastic. Cause as it is, the special teams are not so special at all, but let me know what you think of the power play. What would you change? Drop your suggestions below in the comment section or at my social medias at, at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. I thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day every day. We'll be back here with uh, some like Minnesota Wild preview coverage on tomorrow's episode. So don't go anywhere. Be sure to subscribe. And as always, have a great night and go Jets go.